Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Uh, Jim and Gary just did a great job with uh, with uh, the writing of the literature, the open participatorial. I think they covered that pretty well, right? Anyone not understand what open participatorial means? All right. And uh, because it, it, it is important, if we don't have an understanding of it, we need to really spend a little extra time on it. All right, because, uh, you know, and they covered some issues on how they wrote a book, how we wrote a book. And anyone that was around back then could have participated. Gary went to, to something that's, which I have up there on the table called the First World Literature Conference in Wichita. You can see the, the minutes there, the actual work they did. Then you can see the second conference, and you can see all the different booklets that happened in Lincoln. And then the, the Third World Lit Conference, okay, was in Memphis, where they come out with the gray book. Everyone talks about the line and the numbers and for input and review. All right, and then you have the Santa Monica Conference, and Jim shared about that's when the trustees finally got on board and got involved. And he talked about the Fifth World Lit Conference. Being, but everywhere you went, if you ended up at a convention, they were there, they'd invite you to come. That's how I got involved. I got involved by people that cared enough about me to get me involved. Because I walked into a fellowship in 1979 that was not Narcotics Anonymous, but wrote on our name. Why do I say that? And, and, and why I lead up to this here, to get to the point of the changing of our book, uh, is important. Because in 79, I walked into the rooms and there was all kind of literature in our rooms. And then there was five IPs, a little white book with NA on it. The rest of it had the other fellowship or had drug and alcohol and stuff on it or Hazleton. All right? It wasn't ours. That was not our literature. But we were, we were in that little white book we called Hip Pocket Recovery. We put it in our back pocket and it worked. That was our basic text in my mind. That was our book. And I met these people that were writing a book. And I got inspired. I got excited about this thing called Narcotics Anonymous. And uh, they had these things called East Coast Conventions back then. I mean, I know you're here to have them again, but they're not the real one. People like get mad at me when I tell them that. But the real one was it brought us together for a purpose. You know, Texas is a big state. It's a monster state. Uh, probably as big as the Mid-Atlantic region was at one time from uh, Virginia Beach to Maine. All right? You probably encompassed the whole northeastern United States. And that was our region back then. And I represented that region, but we came together, and areas used to fit on this convention. And then the literature people would come. They showed up in, in Williamsport up there, well, it was actually, not actually in Williamsport, but it was at a, a college up near Williamsport. And they showed up, and it's because a guy named George from Philadelphia, well, actually Bucks County, they keep saying Philadelphia. I, I, I hate that when they say that about the Seventh World Literature Conference. It was not in Philadelphia. It was in Ivy Land, PA. That's where they did the stories and, and worked on IPs. Uh, but, uh, and I was there. But uh, they met at the first East Coast Convention. George and Bo met and they talked about what we were doing in, Phil in the Philadelphia area. Philadelphia area encompassed all southern uh, New Jersey, 
the area covered uh, the state of Delaware all the way up to where I live in Allentown up into the Poconos, Pennsylvania. That was the Philadelphia area. And uh, I participated in the Philadelphia area at that point in time. And we were writing on steps. We go to Yoonville and write on the steps. We were writing for input to a book. We didn't know what book. Because a uh, guy from Pittsburgh came back and he, they, they used to call it the Eastern, or, 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 I don't know what region it was, but the guy from Pittsburgh came back and uh, told George we couldn't use this literature no more. How to get rid of it. He said, what are we posting? He said, write it. So we start writing on the steps. And then he heard about Bo, so he contacted Bo, and they met up in, up in Bucknell. It was Bucknell, the college they met at, for the first East Coast. And that took George to Lincoln. And he met my, one of my sponsors, Jim, and he met Joe Proctor there. And, uh, that, and he'd come back and report to us what's going on, and we'd input and, we, and he would be the person to carry our input to the conferences like Gary was at and Jim was at. And so we had someone that was representing us and we had literature committees starting off that all groups could participate in. And they'd take this literature and then we'd see what they did when they come back from the conference. They would they'd get it out to us. Like he said, you know, 600 gray, I mean 1,200 gray books. Remember, there were only 600 groups in the whole world. And we, and we tripled in size after that gray book. By the time the first, by the approval came out, we tripled in size. The fellowship grew because people were inspired. They want to get involved. They want to help people. And then we used to, uh, and then we go to the World Convention, and the literature people will be there. World Convention was in uh, Miami Beach, Florida, WCN 11. And we go there, and they were there with the Sixth World League Conference. We go up to Milwaukee to the WCN 12. And, and everybody would be there, you know, and they'd be talking about this stuff, and we'd be, we, we wouldn't go to sleep. We didn't sleep whole week, weekends, four days we didn't sleep. My wife says, well, it, you know, four days with nothing, you never slept. You know, and, uh, but it was so exciting, and, and I, I can't get away with the excitement that happened. You know, and what was happening, the people were caring for one another. People were caring and loving one another again. The message was getting out. And uh, that message was so important back then. And, and as we went through and we got more, what were they called? It's more organized. We created more regions. We did all this stuff. And we went to this conference. And you're going to Mecca. Why did I say Mecca? Oh, because that's like where one religion goes to Mecca. Well, we were like going to our Mecca. was California. And then you go to the meeting and you're like, what the hell is going on here? No one's clean there. I mean, I went to one meeting in Hollywood back then in the early 80s, and this guy's talking about he spoke for 60 minutes. 59 minutes, he didn't get the needle out of his arm. And the blood's dripping out on the floor yet. And I'm like, in one minute, in one minute was I made it to 9NA, and now I'm clean. I was like, what mess? I see newcomers Jones in the room, and I'm like, what is going on here? And he was giving his gratitude to another fellowship. I'm thinking, this is supposed to be the Mature Fellowship? And then we go to the World Service Conference. People think that's where conscience is supposed to be carried, right? That's where it should happen. There, and the reason I want to say this here, there's a few times in the history of narcotics anonymous you've had a true group conscience happening. And it happened because of a literature movement. It happened because people got involved and motivated. Well, there's a couple places it happened. One place it used to happen 
with a world convention, you should actually bid on it, and then everyone that came could, could actually vote where it's going the next year. It wasn't political. The conscience of the people there would actually, so there was a form of conscience there. In the literature committee, there was a conscience there. Anyone that showed up could vote and participate. And then we had a, a finally a collection of a world fellowship conscience. And it happened when they voted in the basic text. The basic text was approved. Everybody voted yes. They voted for that book. So you think you're going there and we're going to have this thing. People are talking about this thing. They're talking about the second tradition in action. And I'm excited about that tradition. I want you to understand I'm really excited because it empowers your home group. Anything that empowers your home group is that tradition. That tradition empowers your home group. And you're going out there, you're sending good people there. Someone said, yeah, I wouldn't want to be with that responsibility, neither would I. Without checks and balances to reframe my addiction, we're all susceptible, every one of us. That's why I don't charge to come to play. That's why them archives that I have, I paid for every bit of it. I didn't have anyone pay for it for me. That's why our literature that we do on the IPs and stuff that we put out are free from my home group. The baby blues that I bring to give away are free from my home group. My home group, we pay through that with our basket to do that and to share with others. And uh, we do not take, we give. We uphold the seventh tradition. And that, it's important. These traditions, when we talk about the second, the fourth, the autonomy of home groups, we take that literally, that your autonomy is that important. Each group has it. Each group can make their own decisions. If they make a mistake, they make it. No one should be policing them. There should be no police force enforcing something on your home group. If you make a mistake, you're going to live or die by it. Okay, folks? If you, if you violate the traditions, you're not going to survive in the long run. If you uphold the traditions, you'll grow. I think that's the important stuff. And as you go to this conference, and you got these bright-eyed folks that have been so excited. They wrote a book. The excitement's happening. And they change your book on you. The book has changed. After all that process, these guys talked about writing a basic text. It's changed. There is no conscience. The fourth and ninth tradition were changed. They were changed. They blamed one man. He paid dearly. He got fired. My grand sponsor, Jimmy Kim. He got fired. He paid dearly. He lost, he lost something that he loved the most. And that was working in an office that really didn't make money. It was a nonprofit thing. All right? And the little, little thing people didn't know about Jimmy was everyone all wondered why they didn't get their literature all the time. Well, Jimmy would give literature away like crazy, first of all. And then he'd have to wait for his Social Security check to come in to go to print. Anyone understands when you go to print, it takes a little bit of time. So you may wait eight weeks to 12 weeks to get your literature. Same way we operate with the books here. Our home group does it, and guess what happens? You may wait six to eight weeks to get books because we wait till we collect enough money to go to print. And if you're on the tail end, it's great. You might get up in two weeks. But if you're in the beginning, you have to wait till we get enough money to print a thousand books or more to get the price we get. We negotiate a deal, and so it takes that long to get a book. That's what Jimmy was doing. A lot of people didn't realize that about Jimmy. His life was to us, serving us. And if you read his stuff, and I put some of the stuff out there, responsibility we have is to carry the message. It's only ours. 
And he has that written on that stuff I have. That's our responsibility. Nobody else's. It's not the professional to do that for. It's our job. We miss, we're missing that today. Our responsibility. Jimmy talks about that. You read Jimmy's writings, and then you hear that he changed the book. You're wondering, how could this ever happen? But what happened? Four men met. Four men met. And Jimmy was one of them. Chuck Gates. Bob Raymore. Chuck Skinner. And it was up to Chuck, if you read his letters to, to Greg, and they're all, people say, I'm talking about stuff, and 99% of it's on that table. If it's not on that table, it's in Radio Free NA Yahoo group. You have, you have to join it, and you have to be approved. Okay? I approve you so no one gets not, no one never gets approved, okay? I approve everyone. I don't care. <laughs> All right? And I never kick anybody off. <laughs> I may warn you if, you if you start attacking another person and let you know I'll put you on monitor if you're not going to, if you can't talk about the principle and just, if you can't be, if you can't disagree without being disagreeable. All right? We don't, we don't allow that, okay? If, you, you. if you're going to, if you're going to attack another human being, I don't care how they think. Thank you. I don't care what their philosophy is. We don't allow that they're attacking another person. That's the only thing we don't allow in that site. But if you, if you join it, I need to warn you, and, and you just put uh, that emails, you could get 50 to 100 a day in there in your email box. All right? So I want to warn you about that. There's other ways. You can hit other things. You can get the daily thing, which you get two, and then you got to go into the site to read everything. But we have files there. we got a file section. You get into our files and get all our files. I have everything, almost everything, 99% of what I have on that table is in them files. If, if, and if it's not, if the stuff I have is not in them files, they're in my files, I, and you just say, hey, could you email me this? I can email you the files for it, okay? Anything that I have there, because I believe we should fact check one another. That's the corrective part, fact checking. All right? People wonder, well, you got Bob Stone's book. Yeah, I think it should be there. I think you should fact check it with the minutes. I believe you should fact check everything here. That's accountability, holding ourselves above, the, above it. We have to do that for one another. Richard's eyes and ears in this program. That's what it talks about. So when the book got changed, and I didn't even realize it, I didn't know the whole thing. I just remember the emotions, the emotions, the, the, the slander, the attacks, the fellowship demanding our book be back, and that's where conscience happened again. They went and demanded our book be restored. The second edition came out. The fellowship demanded that. Overwhelmingly, there was a conscience to restore our book. Jimmy got fired. He's the only head that rolled. A couple of people, yes, resigned, but they're replaced by their sponsees, okay? So just think about that. Check the sponsee families in NA. All right? One guy who sent, Chuck Skinner, who sent the letter, if you read his, we have in our files, we have his, in, his interviews. Yeah. Okay, they're there. You can check his interviews. You can see his letter to Greg <coughs> saying they had to be changed because it empowered the, the groups. It gave the, two, the groups too much power by having the way the fellowship wrote the fourth and ninth. What they removed? So think about it. They removed what? Anyone know? Yeah. The power to what? The power, the power to censor, decide, and dictate. That they don't have that power. The censor, decide, they remove that. All else is not NA. That means the service structure is not. 
You said the groups are in that, the fellowship. The groups are in narcotics anonymous. They've removed that there to create a service body to become narcotics anonymous. And people defend that service body to all ends. Causing a lot of controversy and conflict within the fellowship. Defending it are those that say, hey, that's not MA. Because they removed that part. It was really clear the way the fellowship broke the fourth and ninth. They removed that. That's what was removed. It was restored in the second. And then they say, well, look, at it's out of the third. Everybody, your area has procedures, right? You got procedures, and if someone doesn't follow it, you bring it up and say, hold it. We have policy, right? Well, <laughs> you got conference agendas, okay? There's a process that we go through, okay? But it, and, and this is... It's just weird because 99% of the fellowship, the groups, and I'm not talking about the service bodies, but the groups believe there's such a thing as group conscience today. They still believe it. However, the conference is in conflict with the fellowship. The conference is. So they blame you for being in conflict with not trusting them. They blame you for not trusting them, and they just say, user overbearing, you're not trusting, you're supposed to trust your trusted servant. That's the philosophy that we're coming in conflict here. So they bring it back up and got a man here from Nebraska. I don't think, did you find a group yet that actually wrote the letter to the Board of Trustees? No. Okay, they, they blamed a group from Nebraska, okay? Why don't we come to this procedure stuff? They, they blamed a group saying, this group sent us a letter and basically that we, we did it wrong. The fellowship did it wrong by restoring the fourth and ninth and they want it put back the way that the, the, the Board of Trustees, oh, I want to get back to that, because they blamed one man, and then four men said that they did it, and Jimmy said, you sent it to the Board of Trustees, the Board of Trustees voted on it. So the Board of Trustees voted on changing our book back then. That's what happened. The Board vote made that decision. And Jim Nichols was a really trusted servant from um, Nebraska, with, oh, the whole uh, Plains thing. I mean, he's in Missouri, he's in Nebraska, Kansas. You know, he was the trustee from there. And, and he's the one that told us, he sponsored me too. And he told us in Philadelphia at a history day like this, and that's on tape, where if we knew what would have happened and we had known the upheaval, we wouldn't have made that decision. That's right. All right? And that comes right from Jim Nichols, all right, who's passed. So I'm using his name, he passed, okay? Uh, but back then, all your trustees, you knew their full names. They were, I mean, when, when they used to put the World Service Conference stuff out, it had the name, full names of chairperson, vice chairs, all committee chairs, trustees, board of directors. So it wasn't anonymous. Your name was not anonymous in that sense from the fellowship. And uh, so Jim says we wouldn't have done that if we knew this. But then they say a letter came from Nebraska from where Jim was the trustee. All right? Well, the letter was never produced. The trustees get on the conference floor. I want to go back to procedure, how things work. There was a way for you as home groups to get stuff on the, on the conference floor. You know what they were? You, your group went to, an, to your area and made a motion. Then you send it back to all the home groups, and you made a decision that this is what you want to do. You want this on the conference. Then you send it to your region. That region will send it back to all the groups within the region. And then the groups will make a decision, and then it gets to the region, it gets to the conference agenda. It gets published. It goes out 90 days or whatever it was before the conference, and the whole fellowship gets it, and then you come back 
with a vote. Come back with a vote, right? And then you get to the conference, and someone gets up and makes an amendment. And then there's an amendment to the amendment to the amendment to the amendment. Or it's rejected consideration. Well, you have that too. You got all these Robert's rules of order all of a sudden takes place. And some reason the group's motions never get approved. That's right. And then the committee motions all get approved. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Somehow this happens there. And you're like, and, and as a young RSR alternate in 84, I'm scratching my head with this stuff. And people got to understand the philosophy that happened. That letter was presented in the 84 conference. So a couple other things that happened there. And I know we're not supposed to get in sexuality or any of that type of stuff. All right? But the four-step inventory, the old one, the only one that was really ever written by addicts for addicts and approved by group conscience, was all of a sudden never in the conference agenda. You can look at the conference agenda, look at the minutes. was never presented by the groups to change or remove the four-step inventory guide from the World Service inventory. Right. Right, the conference gets crazy. And I'm sitting there screaming at my RSR, hold it, tell them it's out of order, object to this. There should be no consideration for this here. It never got any, and it was never in the conference, none of us ever heard of this here. And then they did a homosexual and lesbian march on the conference floor. Now, I mean, if, if one of you, that's your sexuality, it has nothing to do with me, okay? It has to do with what they did. They got up and said, I am a homosexual, my name is John. My name is, I am, I'm a lesbian and my name is Kim. And you're like, what is going on around me? And I'm sitting there, and they said, this fourth image story guide is homophobic. All right? Oh, and because that's bestiality in there. Oh, and then we're racist because it has in there inter, uh, interrupt racial sexual. If you think of it as a, as a sex act or an offense, you... And it has in there, if these things bother you, write about it. If they don't, don't write about it. Right. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of us that have a lot of problems when we get here to Narcotics Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> all right? I mean, seriously, we got issues. We all think about different things. All right? And, and, and so I, read, I wrote about them things, and I got set free. That, that inventory guide saved, and it didn't save my life, but it saved a lot of other people's lives, that inventory guide. Okay? Because I had to deal with all them issues. I had opinions on all of them. I'm like, what the hell is this shit? Why do I have an opinion on everything? So I had to write about them. It saved a lot of people's lives. Because when I walked in this program, I was homicidal, suicidal. And homicide seemed better. So this inventory guide saved my life. And all of a sudden, they're marching on the conference floor. Everyone's in upheaval. And then they bring the trustees, bring in the Nebraska letter. And then we object to this here whole process. There's no process for this. So they bring it under new business and create a process. There is no process for it to even happen. So they send it out to the fellowship for 60 days to be voted on. After the conference, we're going to send it out for 60 days, and you've got to have this vote back by such and such a period of time. Anyone that was an RSR back then knows you leave the conference, you meet in June with your areas. Now your areas take it back to their groups. It's now July. Then the groups come back in August to their areas, and then they go back in September to their regions. So you got, it ends in May, you got June, July, August, September. You are over 150 days later. 
But they said 60 days. And then they said they got to vote back and it changed it back to the way they wanted it again. That's how you got the third edition. Don't yeah. Okay? And, you know, people are going to debate whether the second edition is the really approved version. Uh, you know, why do we put the baby blue out? Why don't we put the second edition out? All right? And our home group is one that believes that, yes, we made a mistake. And how do we make a mistake? And I'll get to the point how we created the third edition revised. We allowed, uh, and I had to look in the minutes, either literature committee or, or trustees to make a motion on the conference floor to edit our basic text. All right? I mean, our white book, our little white book. To turn it over to trustees and allow the trustees to do it. And we did that. And here's what's so important about the input and review they were talking about. When you have input and review, you have the line number, okay? You got the sentence, then the next one's a line number and a sentence. And it's usually a little space in between where you can input. When you're input and reviewing, you're looking for stuff. When you're just approving, you're not looking for everything clearly. So the trustees finished a little white book up, they put it out for a vote. The groups, yes, fully approve of the changes in the first part of the white book, did not approve of the second part of the story changes. They, they, they would not want to change the story, so we didn't feel we should tamper with people's stories. And if you want to remove stories because of language, you could ask them to change it, the writer of them, or you could conscience through the groups to see which ones you want out and which ones you want put in, is what the groups felt. So we approved the first part. But did a mistake probably? And why do I say that? Because there are parts that after reading it, this hindsight's 2020. All right, there are parts in there that I don't think should have been changed. And Jim is a real one on that one on one part of it. I'm on a part where uh, where the the 12th tradition, I mean the 12th step, stated, haven't had a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps. Okay, we practice these principles, and then we carry the message. Well, these from those were the previous 11 and a half. Those, these principles are the 12 traditions. I believe there was a connection there. All right? I could not and would not make an amendment with the guy that wanted to make an amendment to that issue because we had a conscience to carry. The conscience changed the little white ball. And then there was a house clearing motion that changed the basic text. In the meantime, they come up with another motion to edit our basic text professionally. All right? Edit our basic text professionally. And people need to remember that. Edit it professionally, and they had other words in there, and they're, they're written down in there. And I objected to that. They never put the objection. They never put the, they, they never put the uh, where I uh, protested it on the conference floor in there. And there was an amendment made to remove one of the words they had in there. All right? And uh, so that, they, they didn't, what they didn't do, okay, they voted, the conference voted, not the fellowship voted. To, and that happened at the conference, not, never sent to the groups. It was not in the conference agenda again. I like the conference agenda, what happened from the conference, and they voted on it. And they made a decision to edit our professionally edit our basic tax. That came from the literature committee. The literature committee gets a vote, gets a motion on the floor, gets a vote on the floor to send our book to a professional and get, get, get done. So we get our third edition revised out. They, re they print that. 
And then, in the fall of 87, we end up getting the fourth edition. The group's never seen it. The group's never... The group's rejected it. And if I say certain times where conscience happened, the group's overwhelmingly rejected this book. Conference agenda, 88. One motion in the conference agenda about the basic tax. Restore our third edition revised basic tax. The only motion. And in Bob Stone's book, and that's why I put it there, you can see that he got on the conference floor and said why we can't go back to the third edition revised. They have, a, they have a literature conference on the conference floor. The basic text, they give us a fifth edition from the conference. Fellowship never in the conference agenda. Fellowship never sees it. The conference approved and said it's your book, and then you go around saying, oh, it's conference. That's where you get the difference between fellowship approved, conference approved. They put conference approved on it. It's now the conference book, not your book. So we end up with a fifth edition. And these are important things. The, the next year, there's one motion to entertain, restore our third edition vice. They didn't do it. And that's when we went to print. With the, we actually were printing the basic text after, after 87, my home group was, called the plain pink wrapper, we called it. Just plain pink covers over it. All right? And we put the third edition revised basic text out. 89, and a lot of people, and I don't want people to get confused because as you study things, you hear about a guy named Grateful Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone watch that video about Big Lou? Yeah. All right? They can, they can go on my Facebook and they can see it if they want. All right? And, and uh, but Big Lou and, and uh, myself and Dave went to World Service Conference to give them one last chance to give us our book back. They didn't give it back to us. They instead kept going with the, with the fifth edition. We went back to the home group in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and Dave was there, and Big Lou was there, and we made a decision to print the third edition revised basic text. And Big Lou and Grateful Dave went to their home groups, and we said, let's see who can get the cheapest price. We're printing them. Our home group was the only group printing them, 87, 88, 89. We were the only home group printing them in the world at that point in time. And we said, go back to your home groups. We'll all check our printers and see where we can get them printed the cheapest. And Grateful Dave found the cheapest price, dollar a book. And that was 101 pages, not like today. We, we, we actually had to retypeset it to keep it at $1.20 today because prices have drastically went up. But uh, what happened then was they, they came back, and then the groups at that point that were involved in it said, well, if we're going to put this book out, shouldn't we restore it? So what was group conscious? <coughs> so we restored the fourth and ninth tradition into it. We didn't go back every, through every other change that was made through the third edition revised being created. But we said we should put the fourth and ninth, and we group conscious putting the fourth and ninth back in it because we felt that was illegally removed. So we did that. And then anyone that was around back then got letters. If you were anybody in trust, a trusted servant, you got a letter. If you were registered with an area, region, or the World Service, you got a letter saying, to cease and exist printing of the book, or face possible lawsuit. And then we, uh, we uh, decided we're going to keep printing. And, and they had three people, and it's in their minutes, in their, the trustees' minutes, which you can find in, in, our, in our files. But they talked about basically three people 
who are they going to sue? And it, and it talked about three of us. The three was Grateful Dave, Moorhead, Lou Pompom, Pam, and Bill Allen. They chose Grateful Dave for a reason. Grateful Dave was an SSI. Grateful Dave was dying of the AIDS virus, which I didn't know at that time. I found out during the court case that he was dying. And they chose the, what they figured was the weakest link, could not make it through a court trial, and would surrender. Lou was a millionaire at that time. Lou was independently wealthy. And me, they could never negotiate with me out there. And they knew me well because I spent I had six years out there with them. I was, I was public information vice chair for two years at the conference. I served uh, on five, no, six different committees. I served on uh, World Literature, World H&I, World PI, World uh, Convention, uh, World Outreach, and that new committee they were creating about the, the what do they call that one with the handicaps and stuff. I was helping them with that with Billy Z from Maryland. Uh, so I was involved in everything. You know, so it was, and never negotiated a principle, never negotiated a home group conscience. I always had checks and balance, and that was group conscience. You know, and, uh, and I would not bend, so they picked Dave, and they served him, and they brought him out there. They had him in front of the trustees and the board of directors, and Dave did not bend, so they sued him. They sued him in federal court in Philadelphia. The only member of Narcotics Anonymous ever sued. Sued in the federal court. I don't know what people believe, but World Service didn't win. Now, if people need to understand, the, world, the, the fellowship won. World Service did not win. The judge won. Judge Pollock, he won the case. And why do I say he won? Because he decided, and here's how it worked. Anyone got a real poverty group here in this area? Just got a bunch of newcomers come in. No one got money. Oh, yeah, let right? clean. Yeah, I'm just saying, but you got no money. Yeah. You're trying to get, get the yes. literature to people, but you don't have the money to get it. Right. Well, Dave's home group was like that. They had 100 newcomers every week. All right? It was just insane. You had three or four people that put money in a basket. That was it. And these people came, but we could give them a book. So he asked George, anyone knows George Hollihan, I'll use his full name because it's signed right here. His name's signed on a legal document. Federal court. All right, I'll just show my friend that. This was actually done. Our, com our commitment to unity, done in the federal court, okay? Uh, it's called for peace and unity. Yeah, the commitment to peace and unity and the things we did about the FIPT started in federal court. They didn't start by the conference or the, or the office, they started by that court trial. The FIPT stuff started by the court trial. We were supposed to work together. We were supposed to get together, and that's why I don't want to get too much into this because Danny, Danny's going to get up here later and talk about that, okay, the FIPT stuff. But that started with the court trial. It started with the settlement. But the judge looks at George and says, George, because he wanted to give him a, a way out, can you provide the books for this group? Can you give them these books for free with all the money you're making? Can you give this group books? They can't afford it. And George said, I'll have to call the board of directors up. Mm -hmm. And he says, Are you as the assistant director or co-director, co-director he might have been then, assistant director or co-director, i got to check his title then at the court case, because he became a co-director then. Uh, I'm not sure if he had transferred over to that yet or not. I'm not sure 
Joe Gossage then was at the office because Bob Stone was gone during the court case already. Because uh, they got rid of Bob Stone. In his book, it'll tell you why they got rid of him. All right? Uh, but uh, what happens then, when you think about this thing, the judge says, ask you, can you give me the, can, you're a nonprofit, right? You're a nonprofit. You're not supposed to be making money. And you get into the financial issues with them yet, but you should be able to give this group the books. And George wouldn't do it, and the board of directors wouldn't do it. So he said, I think you need to settle. <clears throat> he said, I believe you need to spend the night and leave my courtroom and spend the night and settle. I think you need to come together and talk together. He said, because neither one of you are going to like what I have to do. And that's what he told us. No one's, he, you're not going to like what I got a, the decision I'm going to make, either one of you. <laughs> and, and we're looking at him like, well, this is pretty serious. The judge is telling us that we need to settle. And he's more spiritual than us. Yeah. All right, this guy has a, has a spiritual event happening. And, his, and he's like, and this guy, if, if you ever uh, study up on Judge Pollock, he did the, the Mississippi burning case. That's how far back he goes. And he's dealt with these type of cases, okay, with really hard issues to make decisions on. And he's looking at us, and he's just saying, this should be an inside issue. Not a, it should not be in my courtroom, he's telling us. This is no business in my courtroom, and you just need to settle. And so the settlement comes. It's in the conference agenda. Had to be printed in there. The whole thing. A couple things in that conference agenda, people didn't realize there's certain things that had to happen for that to be even be heard on the conference. But first of all, every group of Narcotics Anonymous had to get a third edition revised basic text. Every group says. Every group had to get one. Every group had to get a report back with all the changes in the book. And then you're supposed to make a decision which book you want or collect in the book books you want. So he restored it that this settlement should be that groups should make this decision. Not that conference, but the groups should make it. Instead, the conference made a decision and decided we got the fifth edition again. So we just kept printing the books. Dave was, they, they, they tell you, well, the only settlement that Dave gave up was he would not print books no more. Then he'd get rid of the plates. Well, our group never made a decision that we would get rid of our plates. Because back then we stood on plates. I showed someone a, uh, I showed someone the uncut version of the baby blue. It's only two in the world, okay? And it's kind of neat because I used to do one of these big roll printers. And there'd be big sheets like this. And then you cut the book and put it together and staple it. And, and uh, kind of neat because grateful Dave used to go to West Virginia and take a crew of newcomers with him to do this. They go in the print shop. The, the printer let them in at night, okay? And they print all night. Then they put it together. The next day they come. The next night they come back. They cut them, all right, and put them together and staple and trim them. Is what they did. But he always take a bunch of newcomers with him, get them involved. And uh, so he settled he would not do that no more. That we're going to abide by the court agreement. We will abide by it. He said, and he did. The grateful Dave abided by the court agreement. At and then they decided, we're working on this FIPT thing, which I don't want to get into. Remember, I said I don't want to get into it. But I need to set a tone for when Danny starts talking. Because we start working on it. And there's, there's files there on what we did and what we were working on. They dissolved the committee. Said we had no more money. And then they gave you an FIPT. Grateful Dave filed a contempt 
to stop the conference, and he did stop the conference. The judge stopped the conference and said, you will not continue with this FIPT. That was 92. Grateful Dave died right after the conference. He died. And then uh, people say, well, no one stepped up to the plate. There are many of us willing to substitute ourselves as a defendant. I'm one of them. I went down to the court with, the, with, the, with Dave's uh, person, his uh, pro bono attorney, and filed that I would substitute myself as a defendant. Since I was involved in the whole court case, I would do that. And uh, the judge told us he would not allow a substitution in that type of case. He said, there's another case out there. Bring it to me. I'd rather try them. That's what he told me and the attorney. And we never, never filed another case. And we kept printing the books to this day. I mean, um, you know, my friend Travis left, but he had a copy of, of what we called uh, the basic, the third edition revised basic text with the front cut out. There were two of them. One I kept, one Grateful Dave had. Dave gave his away and signed it, and Travis has it now. And uh, we pulled the whole front, but that's how we printed them originally. We took them, two, uh, two of my third edition revised books, we took them to Sir Speedy Print Shop, and he printed the first books for us before we transferred them to West Virginia to have them done. And, uh, you know, and Dave died. You know, and, uh, and that's, that's, that's disheartening to me that my friend died. But we continue printing the basic text. We have not stopped to this day. And there's questions on that, and there's many of questions on that. There's many of questions that people, groups that use that book, that need answers. Can they be sued? Can they not be sued? Well, I can tell you, if you're sued, I'll come to your, I'll, I'll come to your, I'll be there with you. I'll move to your area. Okay, I'll be in the courthouse with you. But if, if, if they're threatening to sue you, tell them to call up me. Tell them to file on me, please. I'm going to let you know that. I will, I will go to federal court in Philadelphia. I prefer to be in Philadelphia. If they're threatening to kick your meetings off the meeting list, to keep the minutes and send them to me. If i got to file the case in Philadelphia myself, I will to defend you. That's how heartily I feel about this. That I feel you have the right and you have the autonomy to make decisions for yourselves. And anyone violates that there, I will stand up. And I will be part of the solution defending your home group to, to write literature, to input literature, to approve it yourselves, to use whatever book you use. All right? It's your choice. And there's a lot of literature out there I wouldn't use. And I'm being honest with you. And why am I saying that? You had a girl up here this morning and talked about she worked on It Works, How and Why, and Just for Today. I don't believe it. She did a year clean when that happened. She did a year clean. And, and the resume tells you different. We Manchester resume tells you different. It's on Radio Free 4 or, or 2. I think it's on 2, Radio Free 2, his resume. I had it up here earlier, but I would keep losing the Internet for some reason. And uh, Lee Manchester lets you know he wrote over a quarter of each book himself. He oversaw three other writers, and he edited the whole book himself. Paid right, worked for the office. Your literature is written by addicts. It's not written by addicts for addicts. It's written by professionals. They deceive you today. They get you think you can write. They collect input, but it never. Because there's a thing called right for hire, and that's what came out in this court case. A right for hire? The right for hire is real simple. They own it, you don't. 
The right for hire is owned by a corporation. They pay, and they got to prove they paid for stuff to be written. They fund it, they change it, they, they may collect input by you, but it, they may use a line or two, but that's it. They make you sign over your copyright. Mm. All right? They make you sign over your copyright. You no, you no longer have ownership to your own message. You signed your message over. That came out in this court case. That's why I won't talk about a right for hire. A right for hire, and people don't understand what it means. A, a fellowship written piece is a trust document. You're entrusted to hold it for the trustor, and the trustor is the groups of narcotics anonymous and the membership. The, who, who is the beneficiary is the suffering addict. The trustor is the groups. They're the ownership. They own it. They're only held to hold it in trust for you, that corporation. That's all they're supposed to be, a fiduciary trust corporation. And that's what it was originally supposed to be, fiduciary trust. You hear them words. You'll hear them all the time. And then you're going to hear the spin. Spin doctors. You hear it in politics. We always got spin doctors. You can have uh, two different versions, then you have the other version. The one that no one even thought about was there then all of a sudden. You understand it. We can spin it all we want. But when you look at black and white and you read stuff, you, you can understand it. I entrust you that you read everything that I have and get on these sites and do your research that you will come to the same conclusion I've come to without me talking to you and bending your minds. I believe if you call me and talk to me, and we'll get you documents and you'll make them decisions. I'm going to tell you, don't trust me. Don't believe a word I say. Don't do that. Trust your own conscience. Do your research. Do your homework. And come to a conclusion through your heart, not mine. Don't be led by me. I'm an addict, like he said. I'm an addict. All right? Do I want you to believe everything I say? Well, we all want that, don't we? But what is it if you don't believe it in your own heart? What could you do? Do you ever hear the word... Did you hear me? They'll say, I would listen. Did you hear me, though? Mm -hmm. did, your, did your heart hear what I was saying? Have it embedded in your conscience. That's what this is about. Something getting embedded and you believe so heartily in it that you're willing to move heaven and earth to help another newcomer. Reap the rewards of what we've been given so freely. The open participatory they talked about, a book was written. It was shut down on us. It was taken from us. And now they're trying to get you to believe that you have this thing. Sure. And now they're going to go around. And the reason I won't get into this, they're going to go around and tell you to stop people like me. You're to stop me, okay? I'm the guy you're supposed to stop. My home group's the group you're supposed to stop from printing them books. Why don't they sue me? Why don't they sue my home group? Hmm? But it's on your agenda. The, the, the board wants you to come out for people like me. They're instructing you to do this. They're telling you. They're going around and discussing it. The, con the conference didn't do a thing about it when they had an opportunity. The conference didn't do anything. The groups didn't do anything this past conference. But yet they're continuing. They're going around to, uh, what do they call them, zonals? Zonal forums. Zonal forums. Forum. Yeah, they're going to these zonal forums right now, trying to get you riled up and send your reps back to tell you to come out there and stop us. I'm the guy, okay, that you're supposed to stop. Jim's the guy you're supposed to stop. Our home group, you're supposed to stop us. You're supposed to do exactly what you did when they instructed you to attack us before with the court case. You're supposed to rise up and physically assault me again. I've been physically assaulted three or four times back then. 
I've been punched in the back of the skull. Where, where if you drop a man in that part of the lower part of your spine, your, your, your skull there, kill a man. I was dropped right in public in the Philadelphia Regional Convention, right behind the head, hit and dropped to my knees, and I, and I felt the light, it's like a lightning bolt went through my brain. And I sat there on my knees, my eyes watered up, and my sponsors got around me and said, Bill, you all right? I didn't know. I didn't know. I wanted to play that video of Big Lou here on this shop, so you can see it. They put his car in Biscayne Bay, brand new BMW, they put it in Biscayne Bay. And you can get see that video. Bob Berg got up at the World Convention that year and called him out. Called them all kind of names. Called him an asshole. Told him about his car being in Biscayne Bay. He never made it back clean after that. He died in 1986. OD. He called me up and wanted help. He wanted to come home. Died of a heroin overdose at Frisco Speedball. We drove him out. The World Convention, they drove him out. Lou went to every World Convention. He was involved heavily. He was involved in the pre, the couple of years earlier in the in the World Convention in Orlando. Really involved member. They drove him from our fellowship. Dave died early, I believe, because of the AIDS virus. Yes, but what's the biggest thing on AIDS virus is stress. I know many of people that live with AIDS, and they live for years, but stress kills them. I'm alive. I've been assaulted. Got a letter from World Service from George Hollihan telling me I'm not an NA member. Sent letters to all our churches telling them to kick our groups out, seven groups to kick us out of NA, that we don't belong in their churches, that we're not narcotics, not from World Service office by the co-director. We invite him to things like this. He refuses to show up. We invite the office of things like that. They refuse to show up. The Utah got a letter. They're, they're, I did a uh, history day there in July. They refused to show up. I'm willing to talk with them in public. I'm willing to go over the whole court case with them in public. I'm willing to talk about the FIPT with them in front of people. Instead of going around and talking about it, and you just got to hold history days and let, allow me to come in, and they won't come share their part with you. But they will come to your zones. And they will spin it, but they won't talk with us together. They won't do it. I just went to one of them donors on purpose, and I talked to them about what they're trying to do. They're going to, they're going to try to change it. The groups think you're making motions, and they're going to go to the conference, get the agenda. They're trying to change it where they're not going to be an agenda next. They don't want an agenda. They want you to come to the conference and go into little rooms. They had this lady present it. Three little rooms or four little rooms, whatever it is, and your RD, what they call them RDs today, I don't like that word, I like regional service reps. I like RSR, okay? So, but they want your RSR, I'm gonna use that word instead, okay folks? They want them to go in these little rooms and bring your regional motion to that little room and then you're gonna talk. And if you're really good, you'll get it through. And then it goes to a three rooms, bigger rooms, and then you fight again and argue. And if you're really good, you get it to the hole. And then we're going to debate it with the whole, and if you're really good, it gets in the conference agenda for two years later. How many group motions you think will make it there? Hmm? They want to eliminate groups from being participated at that level. They don't want to hear conscience. They don't want your involvement. They, and, and they're trying to combine what they call the second concept and third concept because they don't fit together. One talks about uh, the all, 
a single point of accountability is a group, right? Or whatever. And the other talks about trusting your trusted servant. They don't fit. <laughs> so we're going to do it. How are we going to do it? We're going to let you bring your motions to the conference. You're going to present them there. And then you're going to trust your trusted servants on to debate them. And that's what she, and they, the woman was up there telling us. And they're flying her around the country. She's a new shining star. And who's paying for her? Probably the World Service. Who knows? But she's uh, flying around the country. Uh, she's flying around. Oh, your newcomer tax. You know, you got all that literature in your rooms. It's called the newcomer tax. You know why your company stays? Why it stays in California? You know why your nonprofit corporation stays in California, folks? You can't look at the Right. You can't look at it because they don't have sunshine laws as every other state has. There's sunshine laws for nonprofits. If I'm running a nonprofit in Pennsylvania or Texas or any of these other states, and you are not even a member of my organization, you can walk in and make me open up my books. That's right. All right? You can demand my books are open, and i got to open them. Or you can go to the feds, and they're going to come open my books for me. California can't because their law is different. Their laws are different. they got different laws than we have, the rest of us, okay? Why do you think... Why do you pay a million dollars, almost a million dollars rent for a building that sold for 300000 Think about that. $300,000 a building sold. And then they say, Anthony says later, oh, I missed it. How'd you miss it? Anyone a real estate agent here? Well, there was one here earlier. Now talk to him about it. Okay? If anyone ever rent a house, a landlord wants to sell it, right? He calls you up and asks you, you want to buy the house, right? You want to buy the house. Don't you think the landlord of the building would have called World Service Office and said, you want to buy the building? All right, you're renting our building. We're going to sell it for 300 grand. You want it? No, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to have it bought and, and we're going to rent you. We're going to give you almost a million dollars a year for it now. Something's not, something's not right in, in Denmark. The fish are smelling. I want to say the fish are smelling, okay? So, someone let them sit out too long. But think about this here. In California, they got shell corporations. You can't find out who owns that building. And I've had real estate agents try to find out out there. I've contacted a few. Could you find out who owns this building? They can't. It's buried. You can't find out who owns the building. There's no listing. You find this corporation, then you find out, that, no, they don't own it. They, and all of a sudden, you can, and it just goes down. Loop, the loop, the loop, and no one owns it. I mean, I would think about stuff like that if I were you. Your buildings are... What could you rent in Kansas for that? Oh, my God. Huh? <laughs> I'm serious. What could you rent in Kansas for that? I mean, you think you get a big building? It's from Kansas. This might be off the subject, but I got some books that say uh, Karina. Right. And then I got some that says novels. Right. Is that when it happened? With, uh... Well, Karina was a non was a a fiduciary company that Jimmy Kennan set up, okay? When Bob Stone came in, he changed it to World Service Office, and then they got the, the Knowledge Incorporated later in the later 90s. They created somewhere around 97, 98. 98. So somewhere this thing, Knowledge, comes about. And then Knowledge is a corporation. Now your board of directors is a corporation, okay? Then Anthony got veto power over. They own your literature, Knowledge Incorporated. Not even the World Service, Knowledge Incorporated owns it. But Anthony has veto power over it. Uh, don't ask me how that works, but, but I mean, I understand what you're saying. Karina was set up as a fiduciary company. Bob Stone came in and, and created the World Service Office stuff. 
and put everything under World Service Office. Said we had to correct some things because the copyrights were wrong, he said. They went, so he had to reapply for copyrights. So there really was no copyright before, is what he said. There were none. But now you got to change it. The basic text was Carina originally, and you're right. And then they changed it to World Service Office, then they changed it to NAS and Corporate. That's the type of stuff you have going on out there. So what's really going on, you have to think about, you got to do your research, and you got to find out if that's the system you really want to be part of or not. I mean, seriously, Jim gave you some options to look at. All right, he talked about a fellowship service conference that happens every June. Well, it happens the end of June this year, June 30th, July 1st and 2nd. But it usually happens two weeks earlier. But we ran into uh, problems with the facility. But uh, it's a different type of structure. It's a structure that operates from here, that broad base, in inverted pyramid. You ever hear of it? Yes. So it's down here. And down here is your conference chair. We have no boards. There is no boards there, okay? There's a conference chair. And he's at the very bottom, and I've served there for a long time as your conference chair there. And I got no power. The only thing I can do is facilitate and listen to the groups, and then the groups decide what they want to do. And it takes them about a year to two years to actually do something. It's a slowdown process. But the groups have that power, not me. As a, as, I, this first year, I'm not their conference chair, okay? Now I'm over in Europe. I'm helping them, and I'm their conference chair in Europe instead, doing a fellowship service conference in Europe now. But it, it's kind of fun, this stuff. And you have a decision to make. What type of conscience do you want? What type of pyramid do you want? All right? What, 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 where should the point of accountability come? I think second tradition. You have a decision to make. But you know what happened with the book now. I mean, they're telling you it's illegal and illicit. The only person that can tell you something illegal and illicit is a court, is a judge. Did you know that? There's no corporation can tell it's illegal and illicit. They didn't win the court case. What I just told you, they didn't win it. Come to an agreement. They didn't fulfill it. They're in contempt of federal court yet today. But yet they're going to tell you, come after me, I'm illegal and illicit. That's why I made these t-shirts up again so you can see what it was. <laughs> it's the only reason I made them so you could see them. The unapproved NA member. All right. But the real deal is you make the decision what's acceptable to your home group. Don't get controlled by other home groups telling you you can't do what you want to do. I mean, but the only person that can say it's illegal illicit is a judge. And no judge ever said what we're doing is illegal and illicit. They said it's an inside issue, is what the judge said. It's an inside issue, the fellowships decision, not the corporation, but the fellowship. They stifled your fellowship, and they're trying to sell you out again. They're trying to get you to endorse what they want to do again. You voted the SSP down, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, you voted the SSP down. But yet they're, they're hand delivering it to you. Yeah, they're piecemealing it to you. Oh, yeah. So it's happening. Regardless, even though you say no, they're giving it to you. Mm -hmm. How's that work? <laughs> I mean, seriously, folks, that's what's going on here, folks. You've got to do the research and decide. Do you want to be part of this or do you want to be part of something that's more spiritual, more, more uh, loving and caring, more compassionate? And can we help more newcomers? Can we stop the stagnation in our fellowship? Can we remove the storefronts where a newcomer got to pay over $100 to be a member? I mean, seriously, because that's what you're doing when they come in. They got to buy this, they got to buy that, they got to buy this and that. My home group basket can pay enough to print our literature and put it out for free. 
All right? We don't got that problem. Newcomer walks in, they get whatever they need. It's there. Let's get the business of loving and caring for people. Let's surrender and let's do what we're supposed to do again. And I want to trust you instead. I'm going to throw my trust in your basket, okay? Okay? Okay. You want to come up here and talk to me? Seriously, come on up here and talk to me. I know you want to talk to me. Well, first of all, before I do that, I've got a question because most of us have been out of the loop for a little bit. Can you translate the SSP? What is that thing? Oh my God! Service, service system proposal. Yeah. One more time. Service system proposal. Ah, okay. There's a couple of people in here that have been involved in that crazy thing. Okay. No, I just heard it after. Yeah. What I'm going to tell you is because I've not been involved in it because my home group left the service structure in 1990. Okay. Yeah. We started developing the fellowship service conference and finding what groups want to do what we're doing instead. We left that thing when they when they decided we're not groups. Well, I have, I've been out of the loop of that crate, but I, I'm keeping educated on what they're doing, okay? And I know you've, you, you've voted no to it, okay? Yeah. That I know, okay? What was it? Uh, it's a way uh, for us. Control. It was when I went to the workshop. Not having groups anymore, but having a meeting, like, every two or three months, where certain groups in certain parts of town would sit around and drink coffee and talk about what was going on in their groups. And then out of those groups that were participating, they would they were elect one guy to go to uh, <laughs> Central Point or whatever. They, so, they were trying to do away with regions and... is what they're doing, okay? Want to come up here? Who, me? Yeah, you. You don't talk loud enough. <laughs> I can't hear you back there. technical difficulties, which I continue to hear. But I think Gino told me this, that when you were in Philadelphia at the World Convention, that your guys were out handing out baby blues to everybody going in the convention. It didn't matter who you were. And that the, the world board or the convention board or whatever was up in there, you know, we thought all those guys would pay for their rooms. That's another story. But that you went in there and Anthony Edmondson said something to you about stopping producing the baby blues or the illegal literature. 
And someone, I think Gino told me that you told him on the microphone, I'll tell you what, you want to reopen this deal? Let's me and you go down to the street to the federal courthouse, and we'll be more than happy to go down there and talk to you about it. And they politely declined. Is that right? Am I well, close? You're, 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 you're close to it, okay? Uh, Vito was with me. Well, I'm just saying. No, Vito was with me when I, when, I, when I told Anthony, you have the board here. The board makes its decisions, okay? Their responsibility basically is to protect the copyright. So Tuesday morning, we'll go to federal court building in Philadelphia. You file the case. You file for a speedy trial. We'll get it taken care of and do it right now. That was in the hallway after you handed every board member in the board meeting a baby blue, right. including Anthony. Every non-board member received the baby blue in front of everybody in the meeting. And then after the meeting in the hallway, me and you, that was, and you told Anthony, meet me, and he just said, not now. Right. <laughs> no, no, I can't do it now. Right, they won't do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Vito. Yeah, there, there are a couple of things I want to pony back on what you said. Let me come up there. Yeah, I want you to put it on tape. Oh, I like this on tape. Okay, first of all, when you talk about the building being sold for $300,000, that's an accurate thing. The only thing you have to understand, that was just within a year or two. Back in the 1980s, when Bob Stone was still director of the office, Bob Raymar and uh, Torderman came up to him and tried to talk him into buying that building and running it back to N.A. And even Bob Stone, with the stuff he had, he walked away from there. He didn't want anything to do with that. There's even more to the Bob Stone uh, mystery where he was found in a shallow grave outside of San Diego, wrapped in plastic, and they said it was suicide, 200 miles away from the, the closest road. He was wrapped and tied and bound and in the grave with no car there, and yet they called it suicide. Yeah, and, and, and that's because he was writing a tell-all book of everything that was happening in, in, the, in the office. As well, and so that that building was sold for three hundred thousand. They're paying a million dollars a year rent. Plus, they're responsible for every repair in that building. <laughs> Not a bad deal for the landlord. And it's suspected, like they did try in the eighties, they bought the building under an assumed name and renting it back. Bob uh, Anthony now has a contract with the NAWS board that he is director for life. He can't be fired. What corporation in the world signs a contract that you can't be fired? Unbelievable. So we got a lot of things going on. This is not the NA we know. When, when, when the office was created, it was created to do the things that we couldn't do within the traditions. Contracts, printing, and so forth. We had a board of trustees that was a buffer between the conference and the office. They eliminated that and got a super board. Now, now the office is directing to the fellowship. Even more than that, by the year 2020, there will be no more regents. Yeah. The zonal forms are going to be done. What they want to do is eliminate the zonals, and the zonals will have the votes for America, and they're going to reduce American votes to 27, where we now have almost 70 regions, so we can be equal with the rest of the world. We produce all the money, and yet they want us equal to the rest of the world. They're taking everything away. All regions do not go on consensus. The South Florida region is still group conscious, refuses to go on consensus. The Florida region is consensus, but that was their choice. 
You do not have to have consensus. Group conscience work. Consensus is the biggest dope fiend in the world. And put us in front of it. Let me give you an example. If we have consensus, the whole idea of consensus, you do not leave until you come to the decision. People are pounded for seven, eight hours. They get fed up and they walk out and leave. And guess who's the last one standing? The one that brought it up there. Consensus is dope fiend moves. Group conscience, if you can't come to agreement, it's tabled. And it's tabled. And you make no decision at all. And that's why group conscience works. And that's what this fellowship was built on. That's all I have to say. Nothing important. Well, one thing that he's saying, okay, that's one of the things they're selling at the zonal forums is to do away with regions. They're, they're, they empower the zonal forums, and they don't have 27 zonal forums in the United States of America, folks. Yeah. You better check how many they really have, okay? They, they don't even have 13 zonal forums. They got six or seven. Yeah. All right, and that's what they want. Zonal forums coming to the conference and fighting for your group motions. All right? So think about that. I'm an addict. My name is John. Hey, John. I just want to share briefly about the history, <laughs> history of zonal forums, okay? <laughs> At least the first one. So the Midwest Zonal Forum. Anybody ever heard of that one? <laughs> All right? So the Midwest Zonal Forum was myself as RSR for Indiana, the RSR from Wisconsin, the RSR from Iowa, got together in one of our rooms for pizza and <laughs> sat around and talked and just communication. That was it. And we were jokingly calling it the Midwest Zonal Forum. <laughs> the next thing I know, that was in, that was in 90, the 91 conference, or it may have started at a quarterly, I can't remember exactly. The 92 conference, there's an info session. And it added the, the, the new RSR for Wisconsin, who was in the rooms, in, in those hotel rooms where we were sitting around kicking shit, who later on ended up becoming a world board member, presented at the conference in this info session, whatever the hell they called it, like the Midwest Zonal Forum was this big entity that existed, okay? Like it was this fully functioning service body that was doing all this shit. And I even went up to him afterwards and I said, what the fuck are you talking about? We had pizza in one of our hotel rooms and sat around and talked. That's not an entity. And that's where a lot of the impetus for the zonal forums ended up taking off from was from that misrepresentation of what the Midwest Zonal Forum was. It was a joke. We came up with that name as a joke in the hotel room during either the 91 conference or one of the quarterlies that followed. I can't remember exactly which. I was stunned. So, and, and, and I want to piggyback on something that, that Bill shared earlier because um, there's, a, there's a lot of shit I could piggyback on. But one thing that I, I just wanted to make it clear on that, on that original four-step guide, what it talked about was, and what people objected to, was it talked about homosexuality, bestiality, all of those things, but what it didn't make a judgment statement on any of those things. What it was saying was, were any of these things a problem for you? <laughs> because a lot of addicts had a lot of shame and guilt around maybe engaging in same-sex 
behavior for money to get dope, but they weren't they weren't gay or, or lesbian or but they did it for money for dope. And there's a lot of shame and guilt that people carried about that. It wasn't saying that homosexuality, hell, it wasn't even saying bestiality was bad. It said were any of these things a problem for you? And but people misinterpreted it and became offended. Um, and I, I think that's important for people to know that because oftentimes it gets represented differently. And, and, and one last thing I want to share was that I think it was at the 92 conference when we changed, we had the whole mess with the, no, maybe it was 91. I can't fucking remember. But it was, um, we had a motion to hit the floor about the, um, the um, third paragraph from We Do Recover when it went back to reading for the first time in man's entire history, when previous to that, the change that had happened in the little white book changes was for the first time in history. But somebody thought that that was a change that happened as a result of the fourth edition, and it wasn't. It was <laughs> something that happened in the third revised with the little white book changes. And, um, and what I found real interesting was the motion was made to restore that language back to the first time in man's entire history. And then the very next motion was for the World Literature Committee to look into the, how we use gender-biased language in our literature. Okay? I was like, my jaw was on the floor. Kind of interesting. We just put gender-biased language back in our literature, and then we're going to make a motion to investigate it. Right? Anyway. Thanks, Bill. Yes, you're welcome. Well... I just, he hit something with that four-step inventory guide, okay? Like I said, it saved a lot of people's lives. I mean, seriously, I was, I, I was, I was molested as a child. I was raped by, by, by men when I was a young teenager. I got physically assaulted in prison, all right, and I carried that as filth. Being molested in my house, being molested by men, and then being raped in a prison cell. I felt like filth. And I harmed people because of that. When I wrote about that, it set me free, and Joe Proctor worked me through it. It saved a lot of other people from my anger and my resentment. I had to write about them issues. I had to write about the molestation and the, the filth I felt like, and I didn't know my own sexuality. And the anger I lived in for all these things that happened to me as a child. That four-step inventory guide set me free. And there's so many people I hear when they come in and they talk about it. I'm working with a young, um, a young woman with 25 years clean that's been enslaved for 25 years in recovery because of issues as a child. She never wrote on them. And the whole issue where men with men, women with women, I sponsor hers. I sponsor addicts. And she said, I've never heard of writing about this stuff. We need to. We need to write about the things that enslave us. We need to be set free, folks, from all the bondage of, of slavery that we have ourselves in. And that inventory guide set us free. Yeah, even something real stupid, okay? And I want to say, and I'm going to end this with what i got to say. You know how people uh, talk about, are you afraid of, uh, of uh, the dark? Mm -hmm. I was. I was a biker, an outlaw biker, and I was afraid of the dark. I had to have a light on at all times. I still have a light on in my room. I keep, I go in the hotel, I keep a light on, okay? Or I got a TV on, all right? It's a habit now. 
However, it wasn't a habit before. I feared it. I wrote about that, that stuff in there. I mean, I don't have, I'm not afraid of spiders. But the other night I went in, I, I, laid, in some, I, I laid in someone's bed and got stung by a wasp. I read a poem under the pillow and bam, I got nailed. Luckily I'm not, don't, I don't have reactions from that. But someone, some people are deadly fr- afraid of stuff like that. I'm not. 